it's Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. I hope this message challenges you. I hope that it inspires you. But more importantly, I hope that it helps you grow spiritually. If you want to be a part of what we're doing here at Redefined Church, you can always support us by going to liveredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. Welcome to Redefined Church. So glad to see you today. My name is Dusty Otis. I am the pastor here and excited to be in week two with the title being Unity. Last week, we talked about Acts 2.42, and we talked about authentic fellowship. Really, the value of honesty is uh, where we were at. So in Acts 2.42, Peter tells us uh, that this is how we build real community, and it's based on authentic fellowship. Acts 2 also shows us that authentic fellowship leads to friendships that build the relationships that create great community. And so a little bit of recap from last week, Acts 2.42 tells us that, that the first church was like family. Acts 2.42 says that they shared everything. And Acts 2.47 says their community grew. And so how the community grew was authentic fellowship, unity, and commitment because it was centered around Jesus or Christ. And so it felt like family because it was. You were accepted. You were welcomed. It was a place that you belonged. It's a place that everybody was allowed. And so our action step last week was uh, authentic fellowship requires courage and humility. It means facing your fears of rejection and being hurt. So essentially, our action step was to face our fears and take a step in being authentic with those around us. There are people in our circle who need us. And so uh, that was That's the goal. The big idea was authenticity breeds authenticity, just like winning breeds winning. And so uh, authenticity is step one to building community. Authentic fellowship is step one in building great community. It might be messy. Sometimes it's ugly, but it is very healthy. And if we can get real, um, especially with our friend groups, um, everything will grow from that. And community will be who we are, not just where we live. And so... All of that led to our value here at Redefined Church of honesty. God does his greatest work in us when we, get, when we get honest with ourselves. Nobody's perfect. Nobody has it all together. And everyone has room to grow. Growth begins with truth. The truth will set you free. Growth begins with truth. Romans 3.23, jumping into uh, or staying with the value of honesty. Sorry. We've all fell short of God's standard. We've all sinned. We all need God's grace. The reality of that verse to me says, be real, because nobody in here is perfect. Nobody in here is squeaky clean. Everybody needs God's grace. 1 John 3.18 says, when you walk with grace, let your words and actions match and be full of truth. To bridge the gap from honesty to today's message of unity, let's look at the top five reasons that the church is, is, is seeing a shift in attendance and seeing people kind of disengage. And so this is a, a podcast that was done, a study done by Kerry uh, Newhoff. It's Adam Duckworth. These guys are from downtown Harbor Church, and they're in this sunny place called Florida, so very different from our climate here. And so the number one reason that people are walking away from church is they say it's a waste of time. It, and, and the reality is that people think it doesn't make a difference, that they can't use it that what's being taught isn't applicable. And so then our solution here at Redefined Church is to lead people to build their faith and to bring others along because community, because it's we grow better together. 
Our discipleship strategy then is to learn of and who God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit are. To live for them, meaning to follow in their footsteps. Those are biblical principles or uh, spiritual disciplines, such as reading our Bible, taking time to listen every day, pray, worship, journal. Those are all steps. That's a, that's a really long process. I'll be talking about that uh, week nine. And so, and then uh, the last step of our discipleship process would be to lead like Jesus, which means go out and be the church. Discipleship really happens when you get it from your, from your heart to your feet. A lot of people say, well, I don't care how much you know, how much do you believe? But knowing and believing mean the same thing on the couch. It's when I get up and I get that into my feet and people can see that I am the light of the world because I have Jesus in me. It's when people can feel the presence of God when I'm around. It's not me standing on a street corner, uh, you know, waving a Bible at people, tell them where they're going if they don't, you know, get right or get left. It is essentially who I am that makes the difference. And so then that's why our discipleship strategy is that. The second reason that people are walking away from the church is conditional acceptance. You say that I'm welcome, but when I go to plug in, I can't until I do everything that you've asked me to do. And so then our solution is to be hospitable. It's one of our values here. It's the law of hospitality, really. Consistently focus and make known the gospel would be the solution. Being hospitable means we are here to impart the gospel to people, not to entertain anyone. It's not our job uh, to uh, indoctrinate you. It's our job to educate you. And then the last thing is, this is a movement of Christ, not a membership. We just want to be an example to others. The third reason that people are walking away from the church is politics and sports. They're a major distraction. Anytime we talk about either of the two, we alienate half the crowd. So 50% of our crowd is upset when I say that the state school won versus the non-state school, or I vote this way or that way. You're entitled to your own beliefs and your own opinions. It's not about that. But really, we gather here in the name of Jesus, not in the name of anybody else. And so that our solution is to be about our business. So then Sundays exist for just a few reasons, and they are this, if you're taking notes. Sundays exist to reach people, to worship God, to share the gospel, to build relationships, to make disciples, and to celebrate life change. The six biggest reasons the church exists, not for anything else. And so you can have events, you can have all that, but here's the thing. Our mission at Redefined Church is to lead people to live in a real relationship with God. How do we do that? We reach people, we worship, we share the gospel, we build relationships, we make disciples, and we celebrate life change. If what we do is not feeding that, then we're missing the boat. The fourth reason that people are walking away from the church is it's fake. You're different Monday than you are on Sunday, is what they would say. So then the solution is to don't hide who you are. Be who you're called to be, and that is is rooted in last week's message of honesty. Man, I'll just be authentic. Everybody's starving for some authenticity, right? Be an example, even if you have to use words. Me and one of my buddies just say this all the time, man. Just be an example, even if you have to use words. I'll never forget, uh, I'm at Walmart. This Walmart doesn't exist anymore, but I'm at a Walmart and I'm in line. And I used to always go to the Walmart where the checker was the grumpiest. And I went there for one reason. I just want to see if I can make them smile or change their demeanor even. And so as they come in line, I come, hey, how are you? And we have great exchange going back and forth. And, and she's obviously not having the best day. But by the end of our conversation, she says, 
where do you go to church? And man, that knocked my socks off. And I thought, wow, I said nothing. I said nothing. I said no scriptures. I didn't tell her, if you were to die today, do you know where you would go? I didn't drop any of that on her. I was just there and I was just myself. And being myself, let her ask the question. And long story short, I told her where. I invited her to church and she met us, me and Heather, that Saturday night at church. It was amazing. It was amazing. The fifth and final reason uh, that people are walking away from church is it's inward focused. People don't think that we care about them. People think that they are, that the church is doing their thing and they want us to come. And so there is a, hey, we're going to be over here at this time, come to us. And so the solution is to be involved in our community and to be inclusive. The community's events should be our events. It shouldn't be, hey, look at us. I don't remember a time that Jesus ever walked and said, hey, y'all, I'm busy right now, but at 10 o'clock on Sunday, I'll be over here. If you want to meet, you can come hang out for a while, and, uh, and that's where I'll be if you want to listen to me speak. No, Jesus was out with people. He was in and amongst. He walked, he helped, he healed, he touched, he served. That's why church happens seven days a week. It's not a one-day thing. It's not a one-day thing. And so then, what is unity? It is joined as a whole. Unity is a shared life. It's a shared life. And so if you think about a shared life, you go back to Acts 2.44. They shared everything. And so when you look at that and you think through that, you see uh, we find this in Matthew 18, 19, and 20. And it says this, again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter, that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am among them. So then when we come into worship and we say, man, God's in this place. He, that's our promise right there, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. It's why being in church on a Sunday is important because we get to worship together. And we'll talk about uh, that next week. And so... God intends for us to experience life together. If you think about it, where Adam and Eve were, Adam was alone. God wasn't uh, too pleased that Adam was all by himself, and so he created Eve. On Sundays, we call it fellowship, but it's really unity. It should happen seven days a week. You think about the story of Adam and Eve. God wanted a relationship with us first, so he put them on earth, and he gave them everything. And the reality is we were made for community. We were made for community. In today's culture, the word fellowship has lost most of its biblical meaning. Fellowship now usually refers to a casual conversation, socializing, food, and fun. So much so that today, if you ask the question, where do you fellowship? It typically means where do you go to church? Or are you staying after for uh, snacks and refreshments? And so biblical, biblical fellowship is experiencing life together. It includes unselfish, honest sharing, practical serving, sacrificial giving, sympathetic comforting, and all of the other one another commands found in the New Testament. The church is a body of people, not a building. It's not a place that we attend. It's who we are. That's why being an example of Jesus is so important. The church, like your body, is really a collection of many parts. The life of the church is really like the life in your body. It's made up of many cells. And so we find this best in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 12 through 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 26. This is, uh, we're all different members. We're all part of one body. And verse 12 says this, 
For just as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so too is Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into the body, whether Jews or Greeks, bonded or free, we were all made to drink and be of one spirit. And so if you look at Matthew Henry's commentary on this, it's, it's really interesting. He says, Jews and Gentiles, bond and free, are upon a level in this. All are baptized into the same body and made partakers of the same spirit. Christians become members of this body by baptism. They are baptized into one body. I dive into this because I don't want you to be freaked out. Like, uh, what are we doing? What are we doing after this? Nothing, nothing. We're just growing spiritually. We're seeing who God's called us to be. So then Christians become members of the body by baptism. They are baptized into the body, body of believers. The outward rite is of divine institution. It's significant of the new birth, called therefore the washing of regeneration. You find this in Titus 3.5. But it is by the Spirit, by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, that we are made members of Christ's body. It is the Spirit's operation signified by the outward administration that makes us members. And by communion at the other ordinance, we are sustained. But then it is not merely by drinking of the cup, but by drinking of the Spirit. The outward administration is a means appointed of God of our participation. This is great benefit. The baptism by the Spirit is uh, eternal renovation and drinking into one spirit, partaking of his sanctifying influence from time to time, that makes us true members of Christ's body, maintains our union with him. That's why we take communion here once a month. It is to come to a point where we get to reflect, where we repent, and we rejoice of God's uh, goodness to us, salvation. It's why and how we become and stay righteous with God is that time of communion. It's why we put such value and such importance on it. It's why we do it once a month. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians uh, 12. We're going to be in verse 14. For in fact, the body is not a single member, but many. If the foot says, since I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it does not lose its membership in the body because it does not lose its membership in the body because of that. And if the ear says, since I am not the eye, I am not part of the body, it does not lose its membership either. So then, so much going on in uh, the world, in our society, but the reality is this. Just because I change what I say doesn't mean I'm not part of the human race. And so I, it's really not up to us to say, no, you're this or you're that. The reality is, is everybody with a heartbeat Every human being that walks the face of the earth that has a pulse, they bleed red and they have a heartbeat. God has a purpose for their life. It's not our job to say you should or you need or we're here to change you. That's not it. It's our job as the church to love people. To love people. The first century church, like family, shared everything, community grew. Why? Because everybody belonged. Everybody was accepted. Everybody was welcomed. You're allowed to come to this church regardless of what you believe. I don't know where you're at, and I'm never going to pretend to be in that seat. I'm never going to pretend to know everything, but I do know God, and I know that he sent his son to save your life. That's what I know. And so, through all of, <laughs> through all of that, 
what you find is nothing loses its membership just because it says it doesn't belong. You're still a human being, period. And so verse 17, if the body were an eye, what part would do the hearing? If, if the whole ear, if the whole were an ear, what part would exercise the sense of smell? But as a matter of fact, God has placed each of the members in the body just as he has decided. If they were all the same member, where would the body be? If we all look the same, where would we be? We'd all be robots and life would be pretty boring. And so verse 20 says, so now there are many members, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor in turn can the head say to the foot, I don't need you. Perspective. Everybody's perspective matters. We all matter. You have a place here. On the contrary, those members that seem to be weaker are essential. And those unpresentable members are clothed with dignity. And so then even from the inside, the things we can't see still part. So that there may be no division in the body. Okay. Sorry. Verse 24, but our presentable members do not need this. Instead, God has blended together the body, giving greater honor to the lesser member so that there may be no division in the body, but the members may have mutual concern for one another. Wow. Mutual concern for one another. Aren't we called to be the church? Isn't the church seven days a week? If one member suffers, everyone suffers with it. If a member is honored, we all rejoice with it. It's not, oh, they're suffering. We should probably separate, put them in that crowd, leave them alone, never speak to them again. It is, oh, somebody's hurt. We should check on them. Hey, how are you? Are you okay? This is the reason the involvement in the church matters. Unity begins here. That is what biblical fellowship is. And biblical fellowship is what we and when we experience authenticity. Because it doesn't matter how you come in here. What matters is how you leave. It's my hope for you to be changed. Not because I changed you, but because you opened that Bible and God said something to you and God challenged you in a way that moved you to say, hmm, I need to look at this. Or I never knew that. So then referring back to last week, once we experience authentic fellowship, friendships form, you get connected to people who like you and they are like you, right? And so it's why volunteering is so huge. You find out that if you have a knack for a certain ministry area, such as kids, you serve there because you like kids. What you realize when you get in there and on that team is you're not just like kids. You like the person who's serving in kids with you because they have the same likes as you. This is why our involvement in the church matters. And because you two serve on that team, more people can drop their kids and come in here and hear the word of God that changes their life forever so they can jump on a team and serve the cause so more people can come in here and hear the word of Christ. And, and that's what creates church growth is you. It's discipleship. And so... Once you get connected to that person, we all know this, that authentic friendships are more than superficial, surface-level chit-chat. They involve genuine heart-to-heart, sometimes gut-level sharing. It's not always pretty. It can be messy. It does get messy. But what happens when that happens 
is real. It's authentic. And because you saw me, it's what makes team sports so great, to be honest with you, is we go through it together. And because we go through it together, I've got your back and you've got mine. And it's not a secret. It's just life. It's just how we, it's just how we roll, right? These friendships develop when we get honest about who we are and what's happening in our lives. They develop when we share our hurts. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. These friendships develop when we get honest about who we are and what's happening in our life. Here's why. They develop when we share our hurts, reveal our feelings, confess our failures, disclose our doubts, admit our fears, acknowledge our weakness, and ask for help and even prayer. Man, it takes a lot to ask for prayer. Hey, will you pray for me? Can you pray for me? Will you pray with me? Man, I just really need somebody to Matthew 19 with me. I need two people. I need somebody else to come and agree with me because I know that the Lord says that when two or more gather, I'll be there with you and it'll be done. So I just need, I just need a brother. I just need a sister. I just need somebody to pray with me. And so the unfortunate part about this is uh, this level of authenticity and intimacy is the exact opposite of what we find uh, in, in reality today, in our communities, in our churches. And this is not a knock on anybody. It is, you know, we're more disconnected than ever, but we would say we're more connected because of cell phones. And because of cell phones, we've kind of forgot about people. And if you think about the first century church, the first century church worked out of relationship. Nobody could read or write. We needed each other. And then, you know, technology took over and we got to a place where uh, I all of a sudden now knew how to read and write. So communication got cut in half. And as the Western world grew and, and we got to a place today, we're, we're almost back to where we started in speaking hieroglyphics, but sending them to each other uh, through a cell phone or a computer, as opposed to just doing the face in person and, and showing the crazy face in person to the one we're having a conversation with. And so instead of an atmosphere of honesty and humility, we often become involved in a few things. We become involved in pretending, role-playing, politicking, superficial politeness, I'm nice because I need something, okay, and shallow conversations. We begin to wear masks in front of each other. We keep our guard up, and we act as if everything is just rosy in our lives. But to be honest with you, as long as I've been doing this, I know, I know that it's not. And so... I'll just say this right now. If things aren't rosy in your life, email me, dusty at redefinedchurch.com. Now, nah, take that back. Dusty at liveredefined.com. Dusty at liveredefined.com. I don't care if you live in Mexico or Spain or Tulsa or Detroit or California. I don't care what time zone you're in. If you would say that your life's not rosy, send me an email and we'll get on the phone and I will talk. And I will help you. And I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to keep it real with you. And I'm going to let you know that I've probably been in the same place you are. Probably. But I'm not going to pretend to know where you're at. Um, I'm, just, I'm just open enough and I'm honest enough to say, listen, um, I don't have it all figured out yet. But I know that God does. And as long as I stay connected to the source, it's going to be all good. And so these attitudes... Uh, when you talk about the role playing or the politicking or, or any of that stuff that I just talked about, superficial politeness, shallow conversations, masks and keeping our guard up, it's exhausting. They're the death of real friendship. 
They're the death of real friendship. So you want to, if you really want to know what's tearing us apart as a people, it's that. It is honesty and humility have left and we are pretending, we are role-playing, we are politicking, we're being nice for a reason or we're having the weakest conversations. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? How's work? Good, good. All right, peace. We're wearing masks, we're keeping our guard up and we're acting as everything is okay. And when we do that, that's the death of real friendship. It's the root of division among people. All of that eliminates unity. It eliminates it. So how do we move forward? We must get to the root. We've got to be open. We've got to get real. How do we move forward? Be open, get real. So really a good connection to last week's message. And so it's only as we become open about our lives and we experience authentic fellowship. It's only as we become open about our lives that we experience authentic fellowship. The world thinks intimacy occurs in the dark, but God says it happens in the light. We tend to use darkness to hide our hurts, our faults, our fears, our failures, and our flaws. We tend to use darkness to hide our hurts, our faults, our fears, our failures, and our flaws. We don't put those in the light. But, but God, right? But God. But in God's light, we can bring them out into the open and admit who we really are. Hey, man, this is why I said, hey, you email me. Because listen, you want me to tell you where I've been? I'll tell you. There's a ton of freedom in knowing that, man, when I give these things to God, everything takes care of itself. This is the way we grow spiritually. This is where we gain emotional health. James 5.16 says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Wow. So you can have community. So you can have community. Not, he doesn't say bury it deeper and farther and hide it more so there can be more separation. He says, confess and pray so that you can live together whole. Oh, that's good. Whole and healed. Ah, righteous. Righteous, righteous in God's sight, where we are, we're, what's funny is we walked in here today, everybody walked in here today, and you are good enough in God's eyes today right now as you sit, regardless of where you're listening from. But we would look across the room and say, he's not right, he's, she's not right, and you, that's not up to you, that's not your call. And so, 1 John 1, 7 through 9 says this, but if we walk in the light as he himself in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Walk in the light, whole, healed, remember. We have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin because only God who sent his son, Jesus, only Jesus' blood can heal you from that, can cover you from that. It cleanses you from all sin, not somebody else's opinion. And so if we say we have no sin, this is verse eight, if we, hate, if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This doesn't happen overnight. It can. It can by calling on the name of Jesus. But for each other, this is a process. 
The action step is healthy dependence. We need a healthy dependence. In authentic Christian fellowship, we learn the art of giving and receiving. We learn healthy ways to depend on each other. Unity, together. We learn healthy ways to depend on each other. That's healthy dependence. Authentic, honesty. Honesty, right? The value of honesty is everything. Authentic Christian fellowship helps us to learn the art of giving and receiving. We learn healthy ways. We learn healthy ways to depend on each other. That's our action step. Take one step towards that today. First Corinthians 12, 25 says this, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part depending on the other part. Mutuality then is the heart of fellowship. Biblical reciprocal relationships, sharing responsibilities and helping each other. If you look in Romans uh, 1, 12, Paul said, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. Your faith will help me. My faith will help you with the faith we have, not the faith that you had. Okay, well, back in 1985, I was back in 2002, back in 1990, or it's 2020, by the way, or the faith we will have. Right. Well, if I just keep coming, if I just keep digging, if I just keep going, man, I'll get there. And what's going to happen is that's that's not going to happen. God's saying to you through Paul right now. He's saying this. He's saying, I want us to help each other with the faith we have. That's current. That's present tense. That's right now. Your faith will help me and my faith will help you. All of us are more consistent in our faith when others walk with us. When others encourage us, the Bible commands mutual accountability, mutual encouragement, mutual serving, and mutual honoring. Over 50 times in the New Testament, we are commanded to do different tasks for one another. The Bible says make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. It is real easy to focus on our differences. It's even easier to find a reason not to like someone. I was just talking to Heather and I just said, man, it just feels like everybody's looking for a reason to be upset. Everybody's looking for a reason to be offended. Everybody's looking for a reason to be hurt. Do you know how much that hurt me? When he said, and the reality is if we would stop trying to dig into people's motives and take everything with a grain of salt, it would probably be a lot better than it is. 1 Corinthians 12 is a great reminder that you are not responsible for everybody in the body of Christ, but you are responsible to them. Some are farther along, some haven't got here yet, but the only way that either are going to get better is you. Unity was so important to Jesus that it was the very last thing he prayed for at the Last Supper. Did you know that? Unity was so important to Jesus that in John 17, 21, he prayed that we may all be one. And since then, we've been tearing each other apart and separating and dividing and creating more reasons not to get along than we are to get along. Unity matters so much to me and Heather, 
Unity matters so much at this church. It is the number one value. It's the number one value at our house. It's the number one value in our church. And I just want to let you know that the same values, the same things that we value at home are the same things we value here. You're not going to get uh, a Dusty and Heather here that you're not going to get at our house. When you step into our house, you're going to experience the same things that you experience here. The only thing different here is we have to get our values into the culture here. And so that's what preview services are all about. Without unity, community cannot exist. Unity ensures you're not alone. It holds the power to change the world. It's also one of the biggest reasons you grow spiritually. In unity, in unity, even the weakest become stronger. Our value of unity is rooted in two scriptures, Genesis 127 and Philippians 2.2, 2, and I close with this. We, created in God's image, should share the same heart, the same love, the same thoughts, and be focused on the same goal. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this word today. Thank you that you've um, placed this on my heart, that you've allowed me to experience this personally. Lord, this is, um, this is something that I wrestled with for a long time. And um, because of the experience and the preparation you've given me, I've been able to see very clearly, Lord, um, who you've called me to be, but, but more importantly, who you've called us to be. And the values of um, the first century church and how people came together and were authentic, were great. But because they were authentic, you allowed people to come together. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help people to hear and see, Lord, the things that you would have them to see. That uh, their eyes have been opened, that their hearts have been opened, that they found a place uh, where they can be better, where they can be better. Lord, and I ask you to help them to take that action step this week of, of a healthy dependence to start leaning on someone, someone close to them, Lord, because I know that there are people all around us, Lord, that need us. So I just ask you help us to open our eyes to them, but also to ourselves. Help us to see our blind spots and the things that we can't see, the things that we tend to overlook and, and just kind of fly right by. Father, I ask that you would make those obvious. You would make them very evident this week and that people would get better because they heard this message and that people would grow spiritually because they heard this message and that people's lives would be changed and they would move forward because they heard this message. I love you and I give you glory for it. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that it challenged you and that you'll take steps this week to have a greater faith and to go deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about what's happening here at Redefine Church, you can visit us online at liveredefine.com. Follow us on social media at Redefine Church or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.